Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Support for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. He's at the 30, the 20, the 10. He could go all the way. He's smooth as footballs. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Lifting through the hairs has never been easier. It's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped by using code FEARSCAPE at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all of the trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. <laughs> That's right, Josh. And there's no 15-yard penalty for this clipping because after trimming your footballs, show them some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. That's right. The Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball game to the next level, Josh. Well, and the Performance Package 4.0 for Manscaped is the perfect package for your package. Your package is perfect because of Manscaped. Because of Manscaped. (laughs) Great for grooming, hygiene routine. Make sure the boys downstairs are smooth as football. That's right. This package also comes with the Weed Whacker, the Elite Nose and Ear Trimmer. It is also waterproof, Josh. It uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This trimmer also has proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And as you mentioned, it's waterproof, so whether it be rain, sleet, snow, like the post office, you can always get it. That's right. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEARSCAPE at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Smooth as footballs. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another spooky 
episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the man with a name that happens to be the same as the name that's on his driver's license, Mr. Joshua Rutledge. What up, Josh? Oh, what is, what's going on? I feel fantastic. I'm tired, but I still feel fantastic. That's good. I, I'm in a different state, so I can't feel you to to judge whether or not you tactically feel. Ah, yeah. Yeah. If you feel fantastic or not. I mean, I, I feel like. Your skin shines, so maybe I, I can, you know. I, I feel like if somebody was worn to wear me as a suit, they would be happy with oh, their purchase. Man, there are a lot of people that would wear skin suits. Most of them are in jail or dead, but yeah. Man. I watch a lot of scary movies. Uh, but anyways, um, speaking of scary, um, we are back with another edition of Hauntings Across America tonight. We are going to be talking about the top five hauntings uh, in California, at least that we think are the top five. Yeah, we in think California. Our yeah. Um, We have recently covered Arizona. Uh, now we're hitting up some California. Uh, so yeah, Hauntings Across America, we're going to be hitting that. It's going to be super fun. Um, you know, just a reminder to go to our, uh, our, you know, that thing, it's called a web website. With, Wait, well, yeah. website. Yes. Go to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can find links to all kinds of stuff. You can submit a sighting. You can uh, help us out by purchasing t-shirts or supporting us via our Patreon. Uh, there's so much neat stuff that you can do there. Same thing with fearscapemedia.com. There's lots of ways to uh, enjoy your fearscapedness. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, you you could say some people escaped. I fearscaped. You did, and uh, Josh, they can also <laughs> essentially buy us a coffee, correct? They can, yeah. yeah. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash fearscape, and uh, yeah, you know, just drop us a couple bucks and let us go get a coffee, or we can maybe save up and buy a book. I don't know. Yeah, or or a whole bag of coffee, a whole bag of coffee. Did you like I brought my Toledo up? My Toledo accent. My bag. I, I detected it. My bag. All right. Uh, anyways, let's get on uh, moving forward here on tonight's episode uh, and get to our first segment of the week, which is always... Do, 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 do. I created my own theme music for just my announcement here. Okay. Psychic word of the week. And now the psychic word of the week. All right, psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. I love you. I never met you. I flipped through the pages. The uh, phrase that I landed on, uh, or excuse me, the, the page was 474. The word that caught my eye was planetary initiation. Planetary initiation. It sounds like uh, you know, the kids that formed Captain Planet. Like this was yeah. what they if, if one of them dies, they got initiated. They have a new to initiate. Kid. Yeah. 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 I hope that's there's also, no hazing because that's not good. I mean, uh, initiation is also sometimes associated with a gang. So I feel like like the people of Voltron, they probably have to initiate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When the when the princess took over uh as one of the pilots, man, they hazed the hell out of her, man. Like, you don't even know. Yeah, they shaved her head. Like yeah, it was tar, legit tar and feather, tar like and feather, school, like, like old school, like which was hard because there were no birds on that planet. Yeah, it was, it was just mice. They actually just used the mice in the yeah. Castle. It was tar and tar and fuzz. 
Darn fuzzed. Um, anyways, planetary initiation. Uh, this is the definition here. It says a time when a planet is feeling an inner urge to cleanse itself, to raise its state of consciousness and prepare itself for its new function in the solar system. A change from one astrological sign to another uh, planet goes through an accelerated transformation in every aspect of its being. How the people of the planet react will determine if the initiation is past or if the planet dies. Hmm. Makes me sets think it up. It, uh, I was like, it sets me up for Galactus. Like, <laughs> Galactus. Yeah. Is, well, uh, it, it, it makes me think about, we've talked about before, the um, that like people are uh, some sort of like cells, if you will, of the entire, you know, the Mother Earth. Right. right? That, that we're just another organism that lives on Mother Earth. And so it's like, you know, Mother Earth is going through an evolution. And so therefore all the living cells or living whatever on it are also evolved. Right. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. It, 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 especially when you treat the planet as conscious, right? This goes into um, uh, already what we have talked about on Astral Stew, which will be coming out someday. I don't know. I don't know when your schedule is, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll it will by the when this airs, I think it'll will already have dropped. Oh well, perfect. Because it's, it's the first Monday of every month. Well, perfect. Well, we talk about consciousness on there, and and it's very fascinating that this is what we flipped to, right? And again, it, it sounds to me like Galactus. Galactus is like, ah, I've got to eat this planet before it dies. Well, what's, um, Silver what's Surfer, the, go check it out. What's the Green Lantern? It's a planet. Oh, oh, uh, Mogo. Yeah. So there you mm -hmm. go. Yep. Living planets, man. Even Ego was a living planet. True. Um, uh, True that. Anyways, yeah. So that's that. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on from that. Thank you, Junji Bletzer, wherever you are. And uh, let's get to our next segment, which is Cryptid of the Week. Hi, y'all. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the week. Hey, give me that. I want listen, Uncle Stefan. I want to. I want to. I want to do this one. I want to announce it. Okay. Listen, I told you, your Uncle JD. He does so. He knows I'm having a baby, and I told him he's gonna be an uncle. And he keeps confusing. He calls me Uncle Stefan. He doesn't understand that he's the uncle. No, I understand that I'm the uncle. Okay, but you are. We are equals. Yeah, so yes. equals. Yeah, so it's like when you know one doctor calling another doctor doctor, right? Yes, I, you know what? And I said, I know, I know your nephews and and your niece. So you are also an uncle, and I'm just, I just want to know what it sounds like first. So, but speaking of that, speaking of that, we're gonna be talking about one of my nephews uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, it's more of a spiritual nephew because he's, he's not a devil, but uh, we're going to be talking about the Fiskerton Phantom. The Fiskerton Phantom. You said it, Josh. You said it right. The Fiskerton Phantom. He's an alien big cat-like creature sighted in Fiskerton. Go figure that. What are the odds of that? Yeah, what are the odds? But Fiskerton Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. Can I? Yes, yes. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, JD. But I, I'll go on from here because your voice is grating. That's rude. It is rude. It is rude. Uh, but yeah, the Fiskerton Phantom, uh, J- the Jersey Devil's spiritual nephew here, yeah. uh, is a four foot tall, jet black uh either bear like or panther like creature uh, it is carna- carnivorous and is known to feed on birds um and uh this is very localized it is localized in lincolnshire has not been seen outside of it you know much mm. like the jersey devil has been seen in kentucky and arizona because that's where he follows me <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> um but yeah very interesting so the uh this is actually a pretty recent sighting that goes back uh to again one of the strangest years in our history 1997 year of the phoenix lights yeah um year of the hail bop comet the year we graduated high school we graduated high school um (laughs) things like that so this happened uh august 27th 1997 uh it was reported by four girls between the ages of nine and 14 who were staying excuse me who were staying at a caravan park next to a pub at short ferry a small hamlet next to fiskerton Uh, they described seeing a four foot tall jet black bear-like creature eating a pheasant okay not a peasant but a pheasant okay yeah Uh, peasants though also found often in england so yeah yeah uh but you know this i think they'd be able to fight off this four foot tall creature. don't do not misjudge the fiskerton phantom okay he has kicked some butt he is a virtual tom hardy okay It's the it's the John Wick of the uh, of the cryptid world. Is what... That's exactly what I was trying to say. I think you were trying to say Bronson because Tom Hardy was in Bronson. John Wick, Bronson, all you humans look the same. Whatever. Uh, but so they described this creature eating this pheasant. Uh, the girls, of course, scared as most kids would be hell most adults. Uh, they fled immediately to seek help in the pub when they returned large paw prints were reported uh a motorist reported the beast again that evening uh near where the girls had seen it there were several more reports in the area during 1997 uh fun little pop culture thing uh this was also a character uh that uh showed up on the cartoon secret saturdays which was a really great cartoon uh named fiskerton saturday named after the fiskerton phantom so very very interesting yeah he kind of looks like a mix between what santosh and i have talked about being the monkey cat Mm. and a sasquatch um but i guess a really small one so so like not like a hound of baskerville type situation no uh bipedal walks on two feet okay so uh, well at least according to the images that i see here um walks walks on its own two feet um as opposed to someone else's two feet right well what's interesting is is that they this is like the the hopkinsville goblin right because like it actually happened in kelly kentucky but it always gets referred to as the Hopkinsville Goblin because that was the larger town. This same thing actually happened in Short Ferry that was close to Fiskerton. <laughs> Short Ferry spelled ferry like the boat or ferry? Yeah, because like- it's, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, 
on a um, uh, a lake or whatever. A moor. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, a lock, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but yeah, and maybe it's because maybe the other sightings were seen in 97 in Fiskerton more so than yeah. Short Ferry. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I but mean, it's kind of like if, if somebody said they saw something in, uh, I don't know, Glendale. It'd probably be associated with Phoenix, right? Sure, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and people did. It, you know, wasn't called the Maricopa County Lights. It was right, right, <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All we know is that he's British, and he likes he likes he likes uh, blood pudding. Yeah, not many people do, or creatures i guess no he does like blood pudding Josh. i know i know but not me not many people do and he likes I, spotted dick <laughs> what about white pudding he just he's just standing there dumbfounded <laughs> I th- are you okay he's not even saying nothing you yeah, got him wow. stumped dude i use it i don't like know a, if he's like reaching gotta, out telepathically yeah, to his he, nephew or what to Google find it. out I don't know. White pudding. Yeah, it's like it's just snow. It's just weird. Uh, Anyways, let's get moving on, man. Uh, Thank you, Jersey Devil. Uh, Thank you, Internet, for all your information. And uh, let's go ahead and move to our next segment, which is the UAP UFO sighting of the week. All righty, Joshy Poo, UAP UFO sighting of the week. What's the deets? Yep. So this happened in Idaho. Yes, you are, Idaho. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, it happened on October 3rd of 2021 Ooh, at approximately 5 o'clock in the morning. And it goes something like this. My husband and I witnessed a UFO sighting on Sunday, October 3rd, 2021 at 5.10 a.m. just outside May, Idaho. In hunting unit 37, we were in our truck on one of our way to hunt some elk that morning. I had my head rested back on the seat and my eyes were closed, but I wasn't sleeping. My husband was very frantically grabbed my arm and said, you need to look at this. He was pointing to an object through the front of the windshield and it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. He stopped the truck and we were able to get an 8 to 10 second look at it before it disappeared. Just as I grabbed my phone to take a picture, it disappeared into the dark sky. The giant object flew appeared to be made of grayish green colored metal that was illuminated and glowing in the dark sky almost as if there was a spotlight on it. It was very large in size and moving swiftly to the east. There were contrails of lights trailing the flying object. The contrails of lights were of multiple colors, blue, green, gray, and orange. The size of the flying object appeared to be at least the size of a football field. You know, first of all, great story. Well, great sighting. Secondly, I love how when it comes to UFOs and things, we we refer to things as the sizes of football fields. It was three football fields. I'm like, why can't it be? It was one Target parking lot long. No, because Target parking lots are different sizes. (laughs) Okay, I know. Football fields are pretty. 100 yards, I know. You know, I mean. Sports thing, I know. 
It's 120 if you count the end zones, but still. It's end zone, it's 10 Sorry, yards. Sorry, I was standing there like the Jersey Devil. Just <laughs> figure that out. So they don't count the end zones? I always... Oh, my no, God. No, because you just okay. go from you just go from goal line to goal okay, line. Okay, so, so it's goal line to goal line. Good to yeah. know. Good to know. First yeah. and 10, do it again. Joe Montana. I don't know. So anyway, so yeah, it's a fantastic sighting. And, and, it, and I find that it's very interesting that a lot of these things are... are um, common as being the size of a football field. I mean, that, that's a large thing. Oh, it's huge. It, it would it would certainly return a radar image if yeah. it was detectable by radar. So, like, if I was in, interested in looking into that kind of stuff or New Fork of MUFON wants to go investigate, I would certainly contact, the, you know, whatever the closest airport is and say, hey, did y'all get any radar hits? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always suggest looking into it, finding out uh, as much as you can about it. Um, you know, I love that. Or just keep that as the story that you keep to yourself. But I, if I know MUFON like I do, I'm sure they're looking into it as well. So uh, be interesting to follow up on that. So, yep. Um, but yeah, thank you, Josh, for that. Uh, let's go ahead. We got a quick, quick one more segment before we get to our topic for the evening. Uh, top five hauntings in California. Uh, so, Josh, you actually have a little bit of creepy catch up. I do. Creepy catch up. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, Josh, creepy ketchup, man. Let's go ahead and get into a little bit of that. Uh, again, we've had a little bit of a dry spell for the most part. Um, I've had a few things, but I just can't justify nothing, it well enough. Nothing uh, to write home about. Right. I, I can write them off pretty easily. Um, so, but what, what about you, man? So, what's been happening? Yeah, so so actually had two things. One uh, literally just happened about five minutes ago. Oh, um, those are the best. <laughs> so the first one is this morning I was backing out of the driveway to take my kids to school. It was dark. That is scary. Um, yeah. And uh, we've got the old school streetlights that have like that amber kind of orangey mm-hmm. glow to them, you know. Um, anyway, so I'm backing out and... I look up in the rearview mirror to check to see if there's anything behind me, which it's funny when you think about it. Most cars nowadays have a backup camera. Mm-hmm. So how many times do people actually look in the rearview mirror when they back up anymore? But anyways, oh man, I do the back and forth. Yeah, like I'm so, like do, 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 looking at the mirror to the camera, mirror camera, mirror camera, mirror because I don't trust yeah. either one of them. Right. <laughs> I mean, I still do too because you never know. But mm-hmm. but anyway, so I happen to look up in my rearview mirror and I saw a dark figure walk behind my car and there was nobody else I'd outside i would have floored the gas good night <laughs> and then the other thing so the second thing that just happened is i was like kind of looking off uh away from my screen you know listening to you talk i think i was maybe maybe listening to the jersey devil when he was speaking and, he's still um, dumbfounded, by the way. Right, he's, he's still he's trying st- to figure out what white pudding is. still just standing there. And out of the corner of my eye, again, I'm like looking off in the distance out of the corner of my eye, I see someone walk in the room behind you, turn around and walk out. Wait, the, you saw in my house? Yes. Uh-uh. Mm-mm, I don't like that. You didn't tell me it was going to be my creepy ketchup <laughs> through your eyes. <laughs> so... Is Sarah there? No. So she yeah, actually somebody... just texted me and told me she just got into her car to leave work. 
like somebody walked in through the door to just about stand behind you and then turn around and walk back out. I even have the extra light on right now that I don't normally have on. And I'll tell you what I saw was they were wearing jeans and like a, um, a flannel shirt. Is that why the Jersey Devil's frozen? <laughs> like he's frozen in fear. Like he saw it too. But yeah, so that's about two creepy ketchups. So yeah, really thanks. Um, good luck sleeping tonight. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move right into our topic, uh, which is hauntings across America, our series of hauntings in all 50 states. Eventually, we'll get to them. Uh, this week being the top five hauntings in California. We'll be right back. Hey there, blanket huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Riss to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness, Go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get Riskwatch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscapes, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable, with tiers as low as $1. So join today! Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening, Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I like coming Sunday, back. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, no, thank you, uh, Josh, for uh, all you do. I just, I love you, bro. Oh well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for all you do, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. Uh, no, 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 no let's get, you. let's get, let's get chit chatting. Yeah, uh, hauntings across America. We're going to be talking about uh, California, um, which uh, we've had some stories uh, from our listeners, some encounters from the Fearscape that have happened yep. in California. Uh, one of my favorites was Jennifer Bear, who uh, used to work at the radio station where Fearscape FM was. She did a whole episode, just me and her, uh, her talking about the house she lived in in San Jose, California. The, uh, just woo, man. I mean, there's. There is a, a lot of, uh, I mean, there was a lot to choose from, mm-hmm. and I and I read through quite a few different um, accounts of hauntings out in the California state before I settled on 
these five. And mainly this is like my, uh, this has now become my California haunting bucket list, mm. uh, basically. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, definitely when I get out there, we're going to have to road trip it. And Yeah, uh, I have a, I have a few on my list, so I, I'm interested to see uh, if if what's on my list is is what you're going to be talking about tonight. It'll be interesting. So let's rock and roll, man. So right. here we are. Top five hauntings in California. So we're jumping into one that, nah. you, that, yeah, that you can't really uh, go visit. Oh, I mean, I well, guess you... I forget guess you, it. Forget it then. I guess you could <laughs> if you could convince the current homeowner to let you in. Oh, the, so it's one of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, called the Entity House. Oh, oh, I know the Entity House. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you may have heard about the Entity House because of the movie, The Entity, mm-hmm. um, which came out in 1995. But... Um, the, the actual case that that movie is based on happened in 1974. So it started out with... Uh, so first, I don't think I've seen the 95. I, I know the one from the 80s, 1982. Mm. That's the one I know. Interesting. Sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, okay. I like the Derail. old 80s movies. Derail. Yep. So um, the house is actually lo- located in a Los Angeles suburb called Culver City. Um, and in the 1970s, a woman named Doris Bither yes. and her four sons um, was living there. And Bither was not married at the time. Uh, she did suffer from some health issues that required her to take some type of medication. It's not clear as to what that medication was. Um, and it was due to some trauma and other mental issues that may have stemmed from a difficult childhood childhood so it was it was prescribed medicine it wasn't like you know she was buying narcotics off the street but the they basically you know everything that i found included this little statement basically to allow for the skeptics or non-believers to have an out basically is what i see it as um but uh at some point during the night uh bether was asleep and was awakened only to be raped by what appeared to be three spirits. She recalled two of them holding her down while a third one assaulted her. Um, at some point in, in later in the future, uh, Bither was visiting a bookstore near the UCLA campus and she overheard a lecture talking about paranormal activity. It was there that she met Barry Taff and Carrie Gaynor who were both working for a parapsychology lab on the UCLA campus, which, by the way, I still love it that they used to have a freaking degree for parapsychology. I hate that it's, like, now just not cool. Like, apparently, like, there are some, like, community colleges that'll still kind of offer it, and then, of course, private Mm made-up colleges that'll give you a degree in it. But, But, I mean, it's not really, it's not honored in the field anymore. So, I mean, it's basically like getting a musical theater degree or something. Hey, 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 this musical theater degree got me Fearscape, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Kristen with her English degree, but anyways. Right. So, um, 
But anyway, so Bithard uh, heard the last part of the lecture, and so um, he approached, or excuse me, she approached them and basically told her about her very violent encounter with spirits. And so they um, set up an interview to talk to her to get more information. Excuse me. And, and during that interview, they found out that Bither recalled hearing the spinner, uh, spirits banging on walls, lights flickering, um, even like things moving around the house. Um, it was also reported that Bither had been suffering episodes of what could be known as sleep paralysis. Uh, which Taff and Gaynor may have believed could be could have been linked to Bither's claim of being savagely attacked by spirits. However, their tune changed when multiple witnesses had come forward to talk about the eerie feelings and strange occurrences that had happened near the home. These recollections um, have included members of Bither's family that had visited her home on several occasions. She's, they, they report... Uh, phantom noises that sounded like voices banging on the walls. One such witness claimed to see Bither being thrown around like a rag doll. Another witness account reported one of Bither's sons attempting to intervene with one of the spirits and was attacked to the point where his arm was broken. Jeez. So the two gentlemen, Taff and Gaynor, proceeded to investigate the home. Uh, and it noticed that the lights were, in fact, flickering on and off constantly. The pair reported that they had no idea of what may have happened next. Um, as Taff and Gator began to interview the teens living in the home, they noticed that the relationship between the teens and their mother didn't appear to be the best. However, as one of the teens was being interviewed, the cabinet doors were reportedly being flung open with no one near them. Some pots and pans would often hit the floor violently without any explanation or reason. Um, there were no tremors or earthquakes reported in the area at the time. Uh, Taff and Gaynor wasted little to no time taking pictures of every room of the house. When the photos were quickly developed, they noticed the sight of white orbs. Hey, Keith. There's orbs. Yeah. <laughs> Sheet, uh, sheets of white fuzz had also appeared in some of the photos as well. Um, so they, they believe the best course of action was to basically remove Bither from the house. Oh, yeah. After they took her and her children out of the house, they went back. They took photos again. No orbs, no sheets of white fuzz. Mm. Um, so the investigation of the home and Bither's apparent attack had taken 10 weeks before a conclusion had been revealed. Doris had described many presences that she had encounters, including one in particular that would only describe as humanoid that was later known as the entity. Yes. Yes. Um, during the investigation, nearly 30 researchers had been at the home where Bether had attempted to summon the spirits. Now get this. Who does we'll read this next part? You tell me who this sounds like. Bether would summon them by cursing and yelling at them while some researchers had recorded materials alongside them to document the event. The summoning had appeared to work as lights had suddenly begun to turn on and a large green fog had begun to appear. The fog later formed into a figure of what appeared to be the torso of a man. Yep, sounds like Zach Baggins. You know, and it's interesting because, uh, and I'm not sure if you know this or not, but in terms of, uh, you know, this being one of the 
first kind of modern documented cases of what is known as spectrophilia, um, you know, which is essentially rape from a ghost mm-hmm. um, or lovemaking. Um, yep. But uh, there is indeed an episode of Ghost Adventures called ghostly lovers um and so yeah and in that it's that kind of that same thing he does his normal thing um and there's some interesting thing but they talk about spectrophilia on there so so something i noticed here that i think was interesting and i and i don't know that i would have picked this out had i not just read the book uh surviving death by leslie keen but in that book they talk a little bit about um the different forms of medium mediumship mm-hmm. and um there's a there's like physical mediums and evidential mediums <clears throat> and one of the types of mediumship uh produces ectoplasm which is yeah. what which is what spirits use to materialize mm-hmm. so you you hear you see here then they're talking about a large green fog rolled in and then the the fog later formed into a figure of what appeared to be the torso of a man so to me this sounds like ectoplasm and then a spirit using the ectoplasmic energy in the area to uh, materialize yeah well and interestingly enough um you know dan Aykroyd, huge paranormal guy and knew very much about this case followed it knew the story saw the movie the entity and look how much stuff is in ghostbusters we've got the ectoplasm we yep. have spectrophilia there yep. um with ray <laughs> right so it's very interesting you know to show you the type of research that went into this for dan Aykroyd. um he was all about the the cases that were hitting you know mainstream at that time so it says here that they ultimately left California. They moved to Texas, Bether and her family. Um, although the hauntings followed her wherever they went. And at some point, Bether and her family had disappeared to an undisclosed location. Um, so she's, it says that she'd never come forward regarding her stories around the time of the, both the release of the book and the film. Uh, and rumor had it that she had may have been pregnant with a child that may have been fathered by the entity. Mm. Um, sorry, I, I got it wrong earlier. In 1995, Doris Bither passed away from an apparent pulmonary arrest. So that was my reference of 95. It wasn't when the movie came out. It was when she died. Oh, I thought she passed away in 1999. No, what I found was 1995 yeah. from a pulmonary arrest. Yep, but yeah, yeah, so it was 82, though there was a remake of the film, I believe in 2015. I think there was a remake of the film, I think, and it was like straight to DVD type thing. Yeah. So yeah, so that is uh, place number one. And again, you know, if you can find the actual house where this all took place, you might be able to talk to the existing homeowners and get them to let you come in and do an investigation. Although they may not actually know that any of this took place. And so then <laughs> they may sell you the house after, yeah. after they find out. So, yeah. And there's a lot more to this. It's really, really interesting. One of my favorite things, you know, was the kids that saw the ghosts as well. And they, they named him Mr. Who's it, um, which cracked me up because it reminded me of the family circle or the mm. family circus. You know how they always had those uh, who uh, not me, I don't know, or whatever it was like the yeah. ghosts that did everything like those always cracked me up so hard man um but yeah and you know one of the things of course i hate and we come across this a lot 
was a blaming drugs and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. like that means you're not allowed to have a, a ghostly experience and of course there's also stories of her um, doing Ouija board sessions when she was a kid and that it you know that's why she was always um, plagued by these ghosts and stuff yeah, so it's <laughs> it's just you know it's just non-stop well <laughs> I mean it's me stuff you know, it's you know it's the people who 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 go that route are the same people who if you were to post in like an app like next door saying that your car was broken into mm-hmm. they would start giving you the third degree about did you leave the keys in it did right. you know so on and so forth instead of just saying oh i'm so sorry to hear that is there anything i can do to help you yeah you know but anyways i don't know um but yeah so the entity house uh is a cool place if, you know but like you said it's it's uh it's pretty much on a on it's it's not open to the public. Thank you. Accessible was the word I was looking yeah, for. Inaccessible. Uh, unless you're Zach Baggins, apparently you can right. get in there. Well, I mean, um, that, I mean, there have been investigations done mm-hmm. there by, like you said, by the one uh, Zach Baggins and then others. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you've got the backing of history or discovery, then maybe you can get in. But travel channel but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. whatever they're all the yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. now so. for sure for sure so what do we got for number two numero oh dos is lincoln heights jail i don't know that one all right so the hist- i'm going to give you a little bit of history about the lincoln heights jail and then we'll get into some of the details so uh the history historic lincoln heights jail was opened in 1931 on the site of the old east side police station and jail uh, the new Art Deco-style building was intended to house just over 600 prisoners. By the early 1950s, however, the overcrowded jail held as many as 2,800 inmates. And this is in Los Angeles, right? This is in, yep, yeah, LA County, uh, which prompted an expansion of the facility in 1951. In December of that same year, the Lincoln Heights Jail became part of a scandal that erupted stemming from the brutal beatings of seven civilians by LAPD officers. Hmm. The incident, which came to be known as Bloody Christmas, produced the first ever grand jury indictments of serving LAPD officers, as well as the first criminal convictions for the use of excessive force in LAPD history. Yeah, wow, that never happens in LA. Um, <laughs> yeah, boy, Los Angeles cops do not have a good reputation. Track record, yeah. And- like you even can get into like the zoot suit riots that happened, you know, like that's a, that was a thing that happened during mm-hmm. that time. Uh, I just really learned about that because the second season of Penny Dreadful um, takes place in Los Angeles during, I think, the 30s, whenever the zoot suit riots yeah. were and stuff. But yeah, yeah the, the cops were a problem with that as well. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the uh, the bloody Christmas incident was the inspiration for James Elroy novel L.A. Confidential. Oh, that's the movie too, right? Is that, yep. is, yeah, oh yeah, I love that. That's a good ass movie. And the and the jail was actually used as one of the filming locations in the nineteen ninety seven ninety seven film. Oh. It was based on the book. Ooh, now uh, I want to watch that movie with a different <laughs> eye. <laughs> um, over the years, the site housed many notorious no- notable criminals, including murderer William Edward Hick- Hickman in the 1920s, a gangster 
uh, excuse me, gangster Al Capone, oh, who spent yeah. a night at the Lincoln Heights jail for tax evasion. So not what you would think that he would be in jail for. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what they eventually got him for was tax evasion, and then he ended up going to Alcatraz. Yeah. So, so he must have gotten moved to Lincoln Heights and then transported to San Francisco. Um, novelist and screenwriter Raymond Chandler spent time in the jail's drunk tank. <laughs> uh, Lincoln Heights Jail also had a section for female prisoners on its second floor. An Academy Award-winning actress Lucille Watson mm. was once held there after a night of drunken shenanigans. Get it, girl! <laughs> uh, the Lincoln Heights Jail closed in the 1960s. However, due to its proximity to Hollywood, the building has remained in use as a popular filming location. Yeah. Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street utilized the basement of the jail as a location for its boiler room scene. Yeah, I knew it was filmed in a jail, but I didn't know it's this one. Like, I've always known that, that it was filmed in a jail. That's crazy. Um, in addition to serving as a filming location, the building has been used, um, has has been home to a bilingual arts center and a gym. Tragically, in 1994, the site was the scene of a mysterious death when the founder of the gym was found dead in an elevator shaft. Oh, man. Um, Phew. The former like jailhouse jail. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the former jail. Um, I bet you it's a lot more haunted than jailhouse pizza. Oh, I pizza, bet. But, I bet. Um, the former jail has long been rumored to be haunted. Various film and TV crew members, as well as building staff and visitors, have reported experiencing unexplained or paranormal, paranormal activity. Um, a couple other uh, uh, kind of pop culture uses of the jail. In 1983, Grindhouse WIP film Chained Heat. I have never seen that movie, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, was also filmed at the prison. Uh, some prison scenes in American History X. God, good movie. Were shot on the roof. Um, television series Cagney and Lacey. Uh, used it as a filming location. <laughs> All right, Cagney and Lacey. Them's <laughs> my girls. Uh, in this, in a scene in Iron Man 2 where the main antagonist, Yvonne Vanko, breaks out of prison, that was filled with the, at the location. Very cool. Uh, it is featured in the Jailbreak episode of Jack Palance's series, Bronk. Good old never, Bronk. Never. That's um, yeah. And... It was used as part of a music video and feeling this by Blink-182. Uh-oh. Hey, I see you, Tom DeLong. <laughs> so you like aliens and ghosty places. <laughs> and also um, uh, Lady Gaga has filmed a hit single in part uh, the Telephone was oh, uh, filmed okay. there. And uh, Five Seconds of Summer's single Good Girls was filmed Interesting. there as well. I bet you there's yeah. a lot more, too, just random. Oh, yeah, stuff. I'm sure there is. And it's actually currently um, being evaluated to be rejuvenated and refurbished into something else other than a jail. So going how things are going, it's probably like condos or something. So, um, Well, when I pulled it up, I think that they're trying to or is making it a theater um, because I, I do see that they've got like a Latino theater company has a show coming out. Um there so, so that's interesting. I'm, I'm sure though it'll be you know and this that is a place that provided they make it into a theater you could go and investigate 
oh, right yeah. now, you know, it's probably locked down. But yeah, so. it's a, you know, it reminds me when I used to work for um, Specific Gravity Ensemble, we did plays and found spaces. And uh, one of the places we did a, a play was in the basement of the old Marine Hospital uh, or the, the Mar- oh, God, I can't think of the name of it. Over in Portland, Kentucky, the old Marine Hospital there. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, we got to go into the basement because it actually still had bars like where it was a small little prison where they mm. kind of like, you know, if if uh, um, if they had gotten someone, you know, that still needed help, they were still able to jail them down in the basement. And so the play I was in was set in a prison. So um, it mm. was it was creepy, man. We had so <laughs> many experiences in that building, you man. know. Not not to not to move away from California, um, but something I I find very interesting, and I just found out recently, lots of Louisville, uh, especially downtown Louisville, um, the street level is currently three stories above what was originally street level. Yeah, I've heard that. Like in cities, that, and so like thing. there's in a lot of older buildings where they, where there's an elevator, it'll actually go down below subfloors, mm-hmm. you know, sublevels, but those sublevels are actually the original levels of the building that over time with like to avoid flooding and all that kind of stuff, they've built up the roads. And so um, I was talking to Keith age about it when we went and did investigation at the Henry clay. And he was telling me about some of the places that he's been where you like, you go down to that very lowest level in some of these buildings that they're like 1920s looking mannequins sitting in there with like, Oh yeah. I mean, you heard like 10 years ago when they uncovered the old sex club, that was underneath one of the uh, buildings there on Main Street. Mm-hmm. They had unearthed it. They had found a secret room they didn't even know was there, and there were all like all these old like S and M sex devices and things. It's crazy, dude. Like, there's a really neat Google that story. <laughs> it was a news story, but yeah, they showed pictures of the things that they found. It was crazy. It looked like some out of Hellraiser, man, to me. <laughs> crazy. All right, so moving on to number three on the list right. is uh, the Queen Mary. Ah, I knew Queen Mary was going to be on there. Queen Mary is one of the most famous California haunted places, and everybody and their mother has done a show. And the Queen Mary, one of my favorite episodes is Ghost Hunters when they went to the Queen Mary. So a little bit of history first. Uh, the Queen Mary's creation and launch was nothing if not extraordinary, and her story is rich with history. So, in construction began in the nineteen in nineteen thirty in Clydebank, Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Uh, the Queen Mary was destined to stand in a class all her own, um, despite suffering economic setbacks during the Great Depression, which did stall construction on the ship for several years. Um, the Cunard line spared no expense on building the Queen Mary, which was originally known as Job 534. What a great name. Job 534, please. THX 1137. Yeah. Um, legend has it that the board of directors at Cunard had decided to name the ship the Queen Victoria, which would have been in keeping with the tradition in Cunard ships having the IA suffix, such as the Mauritania, Aquitania, Barraginaria, so on and so forth. I'm probably saying all those words wrong. <laughs> it's okay, though. As per protocol, legend states that the Cunard directors went to ask King George his blessing of the ship's proposed name, saying, we have decided to name our new ship after England's greatest queen, meaning Queen Victoria. 
the king's grandmother, upon which the king is reported to have stated, my wife, Queen Mary, will be delighted that you are naming the ship after her. <laughs> A little passive aggressive there. Um, so on May 27, 1936, the Queen Mary departed from Southampton, England, embarking on her maiden voyage. Uh, she boasted five dining areas and lounges, two cocktail bars, swimming pools, grand ballroom, a squash court, and even a small hospital. Uh, the Queen Mary had set a new benchmark in transatlantic travel, which the rich and famous considered as the only civilized way to travel. Um, she quickly seized the hearts and imaginations of the public in both sides of the Atlantic, representing the spirit of an era known for its elegance, class, and style. Mm. It's um, interesting how, like, one thing will happen and affect something majorly, but another thing that in a way is similar won't. Like, for example, the Hindenburg exploding yeah. killed blimps, like, as tra forms of travel, you know, like yeah. dirigibles, like, done. <laughs> People were like, nope. But the Titanic sank, and they were like, let's build a big ship. Let's do well, I mean, yeah. the Queen Mary was smaller than the Titanic. Kind of I know, but I mean, but I mean, that was also really at the time pretty much the only way to get across the Atlantic. So it was a yeah. ship. So um, then in uh, the breakout of World War II, the Queen Mary was repurposed to uh, serve as a hospital ship. Um, it was painted like this. Um, uh, like grayish blue uh, military type, you know, color. Yeah. Um, and it was basically used to ferry soldiers back and forth. Um, from yeah, I actually think that I think both of my grandfathers went over on the Queen Mary. I think, I think, unless it was the Queen Elizabeth too. I can't remember, but I know that the ship, they were both separate, you know, they went in different yep. years or whatever, but both of them were ferried over to Europe on a, one of the ships. And I'm almost certain uh, it was the Queen, the Queen Mary. Yeah. So, I mean, the, you, you know, there was those, there was RMS Queen Mary and then RMS Queen Elizabeth. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's very, and they were sister ships, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I just don't um, remember which one it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, so after World War II, after the war was over, um, the Queen Mary was refitted for passenger service along with the Queen Elizabeth and went back to basically doing transatlantic passenger service. But imagine the number of deaths that would have occurred on those ships ferrying soldiers in and out. Well, yeah, and, and like I said, it's like they ferried dead soldiers back to the States yeah. in there yeah. as well. So Right. Um, so, like you said, several people have done investigations uh, over the years. A um, couple of numbers to throw at you. So she she re she retired from sea as an active lighter in 1967. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, she's currently uh, moored, I guess is the right dock. I don't know what the right word is. Moored, at uh, yeah. at Long Beach uh, yep. in California. Um, just hit the ship- east side of the LBC, man. You know what yep. I'm saying? <laughs> trying to on a mission, trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> anyway, so um, the ship carried some 2.2 million passengers in peacetime and 810,000 military personnel in Second World War II. In, in Second World War. Um, but it's estimated, at, since it's mooring at Long Beach, that 50 million people have visited. Um, I found here that it said the day the ship was launched in 1934. A well-known English psychic, Lady Mabel Fortis- Fortescue Harrison, mm-hmm. predicted. Yep. And this and this is a quote: "The Queen Mary will know more will know her greatest fame and popularity when she never sails another mile or carries another fair-paying passenger." Yep. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, man. And and yeah, I've heard that. Um, so it's today it's estimated that as many as 150 different spirits may still call Queen Mary home. Um, some did notable. You know, did you know that Disney owned it for a while? I did not. Yeah, that, that I learned on one of the shows I watched. That yeah, Disney owned the uh, the Queen Mary for quite some time, trying to turn it into an attraction. Uh, hmm. di- this was like Walt Disney had always wanted it. Um, and uh, I think it was like in the mid 80s, like they eventually kind of acquired it after kind of mm. buying out uh, this guy. And uh, they had it and they, they tried to do <laughs> it just didn't happen. And they didn't even really kind of like call it a Disney thing because they were just trying to see how it would go. Yeah. Um, and some things like that. But yeah, it was owned by Disney, I think, until like. 1993 I think is kind of when it kind of became the RMS foundation and kind of run by the state but yeah, yeah Disney was a fit like the last real like owner owner was Disney so it says here that uh, there's some notable uh, kind of haunts to look for uh, there's a crew member who was crushed to death by a watertight door a woman dressed in all white who dances by herself in one of the luxury suites. Uh, several adults and children in 1930s era garb whose apparitions have been spotted wandering the pool decks. Those to me feel like residual. Oh, dude. And if you've ever seen the pools there, the ones that are, um, you know, because they're inside, they're not like, you know, the cruise yeah, ships of today. Right. They're fascinating and they have been in a ton of movies <laughs> that well, you know like the pool you know what's really interesting is when I did the uh, the investigation with Keith at the um, Henry Clay mm-hmm. there was a pool there really the, there's a parking area in the lower level um, that used to be uh, its own entryway at pool an Olympic sized swimming pool Wow, that's cool. And you, and you can still see like some of the tile on the wall and the pillars where the pool used to be in there. That's cool. So it's just really, and I'll, uh, history just, I, I love history. So, Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, let's see, Wondery Pool. Watch out for drastic temperature changes, slamming doors, knocking, screams, lights flickering, and children crying. This was actually voted one of the top 10 haunts in America um, 
by um, a travel one of the travel publications. Yeah, it, it's a super famous. Like I said, like and sadly. I really want to go to see the pool. Like I'm not even joking, dude. It's just it's so it's just that old school 30s yeah. you know, like just decoration that's just absolutely beautiful and the tiles and the tiled walls and and things like that. Like I like outside of the haunting stuff that I want to go. Yeah. I want to go for the history, but yeah, the haunting stuff, holy moly, there's there just so much. Well, and now it's like a, a floating hotel. I mean, you, you can mm-hmm. go and like book a room and stay there. And yeah, so. Yeah, I think, um, I think on that Ghost Hunters one, they got footage of like the um, like the blanket on one of the beds just being pulled off and no one's hmm. in there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, what else? I was going to say something else about the, uh, the ship, but I can't. Oh, uh, the movie uh, Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Hell yeah, I love Ghost Ship. Did, the Wire. I don't remember. Oh, the, the Wire scene. The Wire scene is so horrible. <laughs> but yeah, um, I like I'm replaying it in my head right now. So. <laughs> Me too. I can't not see it. I remember. I'd never seen anything like that at that point. When did that? No. Two thousand two, no. and uh, still, I mean, and I'm, I'm in college age at that point, but I was just like, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the list is the Hotel Del Coronado. Ah, another one that I know. Oh, yes. This is also on my list. Um, also known as the Del or Hotel mm-hmm. Del is a historic beachfront hotel in the city of Coronado, which is just across the San Diego Bay from San yep. Diego, California. Yep. Um, and that is not far from us, Josh. It's a five hour yeah, drive. I know. <laughs> um, in November 1885, five investors went together to buy all of Coronado and North Island, approximately 4,000 acres, for $110,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is funny when you think about it. Like, if you, you know, like, I could go back in time and give my old self $110,000. <laughs> but it's like you couldn't because you'd give them, like, what would be looking like Monopoly money, you know. I know. In, but anyways, so Dude, this place is huge, yeah. man, and it was—it's always been huge. <laughs> so, um, interesting enough, one of the people who bought that property uh, was a retired railroad executive from Evansville, Indiana. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> um, you sound like that—that that guy. I can't think of his name. But anyways, um, in April of 1886. In April of 1886, uh, Babcock and Story created the Coronado Beach Company, after which they established a number of additional enterprises to support the development of the Coronado. The Coronado Ferry Company built wharves and storage facilities uh, between Coronado and San Diego. The Coronado Water Company piped fresh water uh, under San Diego Bay from the San Diego River. The Coronado Railroad Company provided railroad lines. I mean, it's basically like Disney World before Disney World. Was yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then um, eventually a belt line connected Coronado to San Diego via the Strand. Um, Hotel Del Coronado also boasted one of the largest electrical power plants in the state, providing service to the entire community of Car- Coronado until the 1920s. The men hired James uh, W. Reed, the architect of New Brunswick, Canada, 
who first practiced in Evansville and then Terre Haute. I wonder how they knew him. Anyways, <laughs> um, his younger brother, Merritt Reed, a partner in Reed Brothers in Evansville firm, stayed in Indiana, and the brother Watson Reed helped supervise the 2,000 laborers needed. Um, <clears throat> during World War II, many West Coast resorts and hotels were taken over by the U.S. government for use as housing and hospitals. The Hotel Del Coronado housed many pilots who were being trained at nearby North Island Naval Air Station, uh, but it was never commandeered. General Manager Stephen Royce convinced the Navy to abstain from taking over the hotel because most of the additional rooms were being used to house the families of officers. Uh, he pointed out that the fathers, mothers, and wives were given priority to the rooms because it may be the last time they will see their sons and husbands. Ultimately, the Navy agreed, and the hotel was never appropriated. Hmm. Um, the hotel was, though, designated as a wartime casualty station. It began a victory garden program planting vegetables on all the spare grounds around the hotel. So, um, have you ever seen Band of Brothers? It oh, was a yeah, um, yeah. you know docu docu series on HBO. Yep. Well, <clears throat> shortly after Band of Brothers, they also came out with one that was all about the Pacific theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, one too. But that one's messed up. Like it's way more gory well, than yeah. In a in a and I think it's it's done that way to depict how gruesome. The battles were yeah people don't hear a lot about pacific all they know most about the pacific is iwo fighting jima. is yeah iwo jima or the nuclear explosions like yep. those are things they don't understand how long the war went on after yeah. hitler was done right like, it, <laughs> well in in the you know that that theater was very gruesome compared to european theater yeah and because in I don't hopefully not to offend anybody, but to to give one's life for the cause was okay uh, for a lot of the Japanese that were fighting, and so there were you know a lot of you know strap a grenade to my chest and run into yeah they were an, an they were promised by their emperor that right they would have all of these things in the afterlife and. Uh, so just so much crazy stuff. So imagine to pass. Imagine a wartime casualty station on the West Coast. I mean, you're closest to the the you know Japan mm -hmm. that theater. Imagine what they saw in that hotel. Yeah. So um, the so the world's most infamous ghost lives in room thirty three twenty seven. A woman named Kate Morgan. Yeah, that's my girl. Stayed here in 1892 and kept asking for her brother. A few days later, she shot herself. No one claimed the body, so she got the name Beautiful Stranger. To this day, people still report sightings. In fact, a man just a couple of months ago from the time of this writing asked to be moved when his suitcase contents were strewn about the room while he was in the bathroom. <laughs> Got to go check out Hotel Del Coronado. Yeah, I want to check it out. I've been trying to uh, 
take a look and see what it costs to stay here but <laughs> there uh when you go to the reservation side of the website which it's owned by hilton now um it, it's it, there's an error so well and i i wonder i mean california was so much longer to open up from the rest of the country so like when we went we were out you know a couple couple weeks ago and we went out to disneyland and we were supposed to stay at the uh the candy candy cane hotel which is right you know it dates back to the opening of disneyland i thought it was being a really cool historic thing well they we called to just confirm like the day we left to drive out there we called to confirm a reservation <laughs> and they said oh we're sorry we're under renovation we sent you an email sorry about that so but yeah just just you know since a lot of places had to shut down for COVID and stuff they took the opportunity to re, to rejuvenate to renovate Ooh, so. all right well here 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 it is here on Priceline, and I just picked a random day at the end of the month. Thirteen hundred dollars when it would be kind of not a peak season. Uh, the cheapest room is five hundred and twelve dollars. That does not face any views. Does not. It's not on the beach. It's not anything. Uh, if you want one of the beach access rooms, the cheapest one is eleven hundred dollars a night. There you go. So win the lottery type trip so yeah but it's interesting because this place is so big they they have what's called different neighborhoods in in there that's how big it is like hmm. you can stay in like four different neighborhoods of the hotel <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man. so so it is like a disney hotel so. yeah i guess so. i've never been to a disney hotel i'm not blessed oh. so mm-hmm. so some of the disney hotels are pretty spread out and have yeah lots of buildings so to the point where they have different bus stops because yeah it would be impossible to walk to a single bus stop sure all right number five last on the list Ooh, baby what do we got number five one of my favorite places just the bathroom from an, archi- from an architecture perspective oh oh the Winchester Mystery House. Of course, I knew we was gonna get to the Winchester House. I was hoping you were gonna hit the old hotel in L.A. Um, I know there was. If I could do a top ten, I yes, know. But I know. But know, yeah, you got it. You gotta put Winchester on there, and I can feel some people collectively groaning. But I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Winchester Mystery House uh, is in San Jose, California. Uh, was once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of firearms uh, mag, uh, magnet William Wirt Winchester. His initials were WWW. Do you think that's why? Do you think that's why we use WWW in the internet? Yeah, because that doesn't stand for World Wide Web at all. No, it, they just made it work. It was really they a made, call out to Winchester. They made it work because <laughs> he owns his family. Still owns his family. The owns it. Owns Him and Al Gore. Yep. It's a series of tubes made a dump truck. <laughs> Anyways, um, located at 525 South Winchester Boulevard in San Jose, uh, the Queen Anne-style Victorian mansion is renowned for its size, its architectural curiosities, and its lack of any master building plan. It is a designated California historical landmark, and it's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's currently privately owned by, like, the Winchester group llc or something like that it's basically just the the um last surviving um family members of went of uh, william and sarah it's right they they own it so um 
But so uh, William died in 1881 from tuberculosis. And so Sarah inherited $20.5 million in, 19, in 1881, which is equivalent to $550 million in 2020. Um, she also received nearly 50% ownership of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, giving her an income of roughly $1,000 per day, equivalent to $27,000 a day in 2020. I just want $100 a day. (laughs) Um, These inheritances gave her a tremendous amount of wealth, which she used to fund the ongoing construction. So sad, her infant daughter Ah, her infant daughter died of an illness known as Marasasmus, a children's disease in which the body wastes away. Mm. Um, and so, of course, her husband died of tuber- tuberculosis. Um, a Boston medium told her, while supposedly channeling her late husband, that she would leave her home in New Haven and travel west where she must continuously build a home for herself and the spirits of people who had fallen victim to Winchester rifles. Yep. So Sarah Winchester left New Haven. I mean, I, you know, I I get it. It's a heavy responsibility to feel whether or not this medium told her that or, or kind of put that on her. I'm sure it's something she already felt. Yeah. You know, like a sense of responsibility. And and I get that. Like, you know, I, I yeah. can't imagine. Well, I mean, you know, anybody who's seen a Wild West movie and the, you know, the shootouts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, some of that stuff is, you know, dramatized, but but that stuff did happen. I mean, it you know, you you could shoot somebody dead in the street if they, you know, as long as there was like quote-unquote probable cause i mean so yeah yeah interesting yeah don't want to get into political stuff but yeah i mean like i said i i i get that i get well and and, you know in the u.s army you know the u.s army used the winchester during the whole native american thing you know Mm -hmm. and all and all that kind of stuff so yeah there's 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 a lot of bad juju let's say i mean this <laughs> uh, is the gun that won the west i mean right like right so um so she left new haven headed for california um now you know they say it's possible she would just change the location right but uh other sources say that she came to believe that her family and fortune were haunted by ghosts and that only by moving west and continuously building a house to hide from the spirits that fell to the firearms of her late husband in 1884, she purchased an unfinished farmhouse in the Santa Clara Valley and began building her mansion. Carpenters were hired and worked on the house day and night until it became a seven-story mansion. Uh, she did not use an architect and added onto the building in a haphazard fashion. So the home contains numerous oddities, such as doors and stairs that go nowhere, yep. windows overlooking other rooms, and stairs with odd-sized risers. Many accounts attribute these oddities to her belief in ghosts. Environmental psychologists have theorized that the odd layout itself contributes to the feeling of the house being haunted today. So so before the 1906 earthquake, 
the house had been seven stories high. But then the earthquake hit and they had to do some work and it burned it down to four stories. <laughs> it's like it's like downtown Louisville. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm going to include this little nit, you know, bit because I find it interesting. But Miss um, Winchester really liked the wood, redwood. Yep. But she didn't like how it looked. <laughs> so instead, everything was stained and a faux grain was applied. It took approximately 20,000 gallons of paint to paint the house. And that was lead paint back then, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, like, no wonder so, she got TB. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't get TB. He got TB in Connecticut. Well, her husband she, Her she, husband died of tuberculosis. Oh, I thought she did, too. Um, but there are roughly 161 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, 47 fireplaces, 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chim- chimneys, uh, two basement levels, three elevators. Um, I found this very interesting. Um, there's, there are, oh, where'd the number go? Hold on. I just had it. There's a number of bathrooms. I can't find the exact number. There's a number of bathrooms. Only one works. Okay. All the other one, only one worked or works works. All the other restrooms were decoys to confuse spirits. (laughs) That's so funny because today I posted a YouTube short called bathroom spookies and (laughs) it's all about have you ever had a ghost experience in the bathroom on the toilet because you know i have i know a number of people that have it happens to me at work most of the ghost experiences i have at work are in the bathroom and so i think because you're confined yeah i guess so but yeah leave so um also apparently she slept excuse me in a different room each night to avoid the ghosts so, a couple of uh, interesting tidbits of, um, I don't know, I guess, uh, pop culture type uses. Mm-hmm. The first one, it's funny that you brought up Disney before, because the Winchester house was Walt Disney's inspiration for the Haunted Mansion. Yep. 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 Um, the Haunting of Winchester is a ghost story musical by Craig Bomler and Mary Brocken Phillips that takes place in the house. Didn't know there was a... I didn't know there was a musical either, and I'm a musical (laughs) theater major. (laughs) Uh, It says it it says um, let's see, it premiered in September to October of 2005. Oh, okay, so it's recent. A British paranormal TV investigation show called Most Haunted conducted a seven-hour live TV investigation of the house for the Travel Channel in 2007, making television history as it was the first ever seven-hour live TV paranormal <laughs> investigation. <laughs> so long. <laughs> and I, and um, one thing I've heard is that there is so much lack of anything that happens in that house. Legit, though, like, that's what's funny. So I can't imagine seven hours of nothing. Hmm. I wonder with all the hype, you know, like oh, you go yeah. in, 
you go in with the wrong kind of energy. So Well, and it's funny because, you know, like people will talk about saying it is literally one of the most least haunted places. Like there is that it that it's kind of like it is just like you said, it's all about the hype, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, it could have been Sarah Winchester just did her job. Right. Like they're all just trapped in these rooms because they're still finding rooms to this day. Like right. they're still like, oh shit, there's a room back here. Hey guys, there's a room back here. Like they are still finding rooms. Well, and, and so like there could be ghosts just still trapped. They're like, hell, we have been lost for, for hundred. <laughs> there's years. just there's just wandering around inside. Yes, they're like, thank you. We are gonna go to the light now. Thank you. We've been stuck in this toilet room for it's like years. What's the uh, the first? The, the the first Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movie, where they go to that town and he's like, I'm you know using the contract of San mm-hmm. Bernardino or whatever. Um, like, is there a you know a contract of Winchester and somebody's gonna walk into the house and claim all these souls that are in there? So. Right, <laughs> like it's Ghostbusters walk in and have the biggest trap ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean the house is the trap. That's where they're putting all the ghosts. Right. <laughs> so. Um, so the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna include this for you, Stefan. So House of Penance, a Dark Horse comic. Yes, I love Dark Horse. Um, a illusionary gothic horror story that takes place during the building of the Winchester Mystery House. Nice. Uh, one, one couple of last little things here. I, I I found this very interesting. In January 2021, an episode of the award-winning podcast, The Paranormal, This Paranormal Life. Great, great podcast, by the way. Uh, was released discussing the Winchester Mystery House. The host deemed all claims of haunting to be false. Told you, um, a lot of a lot of paranormal investigators will. Um, they that's why a lot of uh, paranormal shows don't want to cover it because there's really there's no real stories. Um, most of it is is fiction um, from other movies like the movie yeah. Winchester that came out a couple of years ago, right. um, which is not a great movie. Um, and then Rose Red, which is uh, uh, my friend Lizzie, that's like her favorite like miniseries. It's a Stephen King miniseries, and that was basically based essentially on the Winchester House. That's fictionalized yeah. version, but yeah, I mean it's most of that, and it sucks. But you know what? Like I said, I still want to go. I still like, want to go. Want to check it out? And just like I you mean, said, they may just be trapped in these rooms. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, and again, I mean, if you, I, I really, you know, if you go in with the wrong intention, right? If you go in expecting there well in, in even if it's you go in expecting there not to be hauntings because right. of whatever you know you go in with the you just gotta go in with an open mind and, yeah you know, see if something happens and yep. maybe unless you know maybe if you're screaming and yelling at them and asking them to possess you then it's not what they're into so yeah interesting man yeah very so yeah very that's cool. my that's my top five and like i said it's more like a bucket list uh, at this point in time and if I were to do a top 10, then obviously I would have included uh, a lot of other options. Alcatraz, all yeah. kinds of stuff. That, right. And that's then, you know, I mean, already, I mean, there's a fun trip to just go to San Francisco's because San Jose's right there. Right. And go to the Winchester House and Alcatraz. So that would be groovy. Um, but yeah, very, very cool, man. Uh, hauntings across America. That's our top five hauntings for or uh considered spooky places since most people are kind of on the side of Winchester as being bunk, but yeah, still super neat related to hauntings uh, in California. 
very very cool thank you so much josh um uh, we are gonna get out of here so we've got to start wrapping things up my friend uh this is uh, a fact fact of life facts of life facts you know facts of life you take the good you take the bad yeah you know and mrs garrett is just right she's a beautiful woman girls girls um <laughs> yeah it's interesting that i just watched a uh, where are they now on youtube the other day so that's interesting it's a word um, it, is, it is uh but thank you guys uh listening there um i want to get moving on to our encounter from the fearscape <laughs> All right, Josh, Encounters from the Fearscape this week, we have a story that comes from a listener named John. Uh, John comes from Kentucky, uh, actually gathered a number of uh, good Kentucky stories, uh, posted something a few weeks back on my personal page, and a lot of people came forward with some cool stories. Um, but I love this story. Uh, it's called Ghost Cats, and it's I love this because... I've Santosh and I have shared our story a million times about all the ghost cats we had when we lived in old Louisville. So uh, this is John's uh, encounter from the Fearscape. I either hallucinated or saw ghost cats once. Now my parents bought this house that actually belonged to a childhood friend of mine, but had been sold to another owner in between. And his family had a few cats. On the first night after they closed on the house, my dad wanted me to stay there overnight because the son of the former owner had not given them his key or his garage door opener, and they were concerned he would come back onto the property. Now, this house was virtually empty, and I was there all by myself, so the whole place, no surprise, felt really creepy, even though I was very familiar with the home. Now, at one point, I went to the restroom to pee. The toilet in this restroom is directly opposite the tub, so my back was turned towards it. At that point, I actually heard an audible meow. Startled, I looked over my shoulder, and I see two cats sitting in the tub. Alarmed, I turned my head back to zip myself up, compose myself, and see if I might be able to pet these cats. And I turn around, no sign of these animals. The door is closed. There are no holes in the walls. And there are no animals. Weird stuff, guys. Very cool, though. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's what I said. I like a friend of mine and i like because i'm like i would have done the same thing i would have been like oh there's two cats in here <laughs> at the kitties hey <laughs> um, <clears throat> the place we stayed uh in our trip out to phoenix a couple weeks back mm-hmm. the airbnb uh they had ghost cats mm. i i saw at least two uh, walking around the bottom of the bed and i kept feeling them jump on the bed while i was sleeping at night mm. Um, How many monkeys jumping on the bed? <laughs> it's, one of, it's like I was talking to Chris and I was like, you know, do you think I should tell them? Hey, I think you have ghost cats. Or I think I should just like not say anything. I don't know. You know, ghosts is one thing, but ghost cats is an extra niche audience. So, right. Like you kind of, you know, that's when they're really looking at you like, really, bro? Ghost, yeah. Ghost cats. 
ghost cats no but on the other hand she could be like yeah for sure we've seen them too you know? oh so. yeah yeah we've seen we seen them all the time um i don't know why they're from eastern kentucky all of a sudden uh but yeah 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 very very cool uh don't forget you can send your encounters uh to us submit a sighting on our webpage fearscapepodcast.com or email us at fearscapepodcast at gmail.com we love getting those stories uh hit us up i'm we're always posting on all the social medias about collecting stories uh you can also do that the uh, ghosts in the attic bodies in the basement girls they're always looking for listener stories too they they yep. try to do a special episode every once in a while um but yeah we're gonna go ahead and get out of here josh just a reminder uh to download the fearscape media network app available for free on the google play store uh there you can have access to all of our great podcasts on fearscape media network uh keith age is uh taking part filming now for a brand new series it's going to hit our youtube channel in 2022 called bourbon spirits um it's going to be absolutely phenomenal uh him and and two girls that uh are great friends of his that are part of a a ghost hunting investigation they're going to be hitting kentucky and hitting up some amazing spots it's going to be a fantastic show not not just kentucky i mean i think they're going some other places oh yeah they're going to be going some other places too but yeah these it's going to be fantastic and I, I i just love seeing the joy on keith's face to be hunting again like yep. you know and doing a show like i'm just so uh it just makes me happy man i love that man yep um but yeah be on the lookout uh we're gonna have more to come uh on our on our facebook page and our website and stuff with some uh previews and stuff for bourbon spirits when they come along so be on the lookout for that um but yeah josh let's go ahead and rock and roll let's get out of here happy november everybody let's get um out. It's going to be a good, good holiday season. I know I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to eat turkey already. Uh, no, nope. you're not. I don't like turkey. You don't like turkey? Ham. <sighs> Get out of here. Do you, what about a Christmas goose? Would you eat a, a Christmas nope. goose? You don't nope. like turkey? Nope. Man, I love turkey. The only, well. the only, the only turkey I like is uh, honey baked ham turkey. Honey. <laughs> It's, it's, it's I know you eight, mean the company, but it makes us sound like you want a, a ham a, that's in the shape of a turkey. It, it, well, it's not a turducken or whatever the form would be. Yeah, for, for like a, tur- a turkey shoved in a pig. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, it's but yeah, it's like the Honey Baked Camp Company. Yeah. It's their honey turkey is really mm-hmm. good. But, Interesting. Yeah, I like I both yeah. turkey and ham, so I'm fat. Uh, but anyways, we'll we'll go ahead and get out of here, man. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, as always. Uh, to the Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Make sure to check out Astral Stew this month. It's been a it's a great episode. Don't want to miss out on that. Uh, yep. And thank you for always listening to us as well as every other show on the Fearscape Media Network. My name is Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. And make sure y'all keep your eyes to the skies. This has been Josh. The truth is now. I I, I have had white pudding. It is good. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.